and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and I'm delighted to introduce this interview that was one of my favorite interviews I've done so far this year with Donald Mowat, the BAFTA-nominated hair and makeup designer for Dune, coming out October 22nd. I just want to say thank you for your work. I have been doing a deep dive into the history of Donald Mowat, and I am amazed, sir, I have to say. What a nice thing to say. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a very, very nice of you to say. I appreciate that a lot. Well, and I have to say, looking at the broad scope of your work, everything from Cowboys and Aliens to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo to Skyfall... Obviously, there are the BAFTA-nominated things that everybody points to, and especially Blade Runner 2049, I think, is such an extraordinarily showy piece of work that you did between the prosthetics and the very outlandish hairstyles. But for a work like Dune, where you're taking an epic piece of sci-fi, I have to ask, what was your way into this world? It's a great question. Well, I think that I had a... I- got my feet wet a little bit on Blade Runner 2049 because it was, there was so much to live up to and all this expectation. And I guess my fear, the, the kind of, what do they say in Dune? Uh, fear is the mind fear killer. Fear is the mind killer, yeah. <laughs> which I kind of love. And I think I'll take that and, and borrow it. Um, because it's, I, I knew a girl, a very old friend of mine, was reading a book once called Feel, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I think that's how I felt with Dune. I felt the fear. Denis reassured me on Blade Runner 2049 when I said, I'm terrified. He goes, so am I. And Roger (laughs) Deakins, everyone said the same thing. So I guess coming to Dune, I thought, oh, I can, you know, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'll be okay with this. And then there were a lot of factors that came up that I thought, I don't know, what do we do here? And, but I gained some confidence maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm a late bloomer, so... I guess it took me into my 50s to suddenly go, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, and it takes a lot, I guess, for everybody, I mean, people listening, you know, when I think it's very hard for any of us to get to a point in your life when you think, I know what I'm doing. And, and, I, and I think that was, Dune was maybe the turning point for me. That's wonderful. Well, I will tell you a little secret, if I can. Okay. A slightly saucy secret. Should I get um, close? <laughs> sure. So I went to a Q&A a couple nights ago with Denis and Hans Zimmer. And apparently Hans Zimmer said on the very first day of production to Denis, don't fuck it up. I believe that. Yeah. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. I was just really taken aback by that. Obviously, if you're the director, you're not going to. But the yeah. idea that that would be an imperative that everybody feels so strongly on the set. And I wondered if that was something that you felt, if you felt this burden to do the thing in such a way. Well, I, I think I did, but maybe not. It was, I, I don't know, maybe I've changed. I don't know what happened. I feel like um, sometimes nerves and all of that, is it, we come back to the same thing. It's like the fear is the mind killer. I just thought, do the best you know, do the best I mean, it's from the heart. It's, it's, uh, it's an innate, like, you know, we all know, isn't it like babies? You throw them in the water. I don't know if this is true. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> you, know, you throw a baby in the water and they swim. I really believe that. And, and I kind of thought, well, we're the same. We know creatively as a, uh, uh, 
a craftsman or a woman or a person, when you're doing something, you know when it's right. But we get sidetracked. And I don't know where that happens. I only realized in my 50s, we get sidetracked because you end up with people who don't know what they're doing, maybe, or they're not sure. And I had this sort of epiphany one day as I was having some, I don't know, blood test or something in my doctor's office. And I remember like thinking, could you imagine if like the doctor is doing something and I look at him and say, are you sure that's the right way to do it? I mean, what would his reaction be? So that's the problem I think for a lot of us is we do what we do. And then an actor, not anybody I've worked with recently would say, are you sure that's the way to do it? And you kind of go, I've done this for 30 something years. Yeah. Like, I think that's the part of the, the business I started to fall out of love with. And the part of the business I do fall in love with is people like working with Greg Frazier and Denis and Patrice Vermette and the costume designers, because we all were there to help tell the story for a great director, producer, writer, Denis Villeneuve, who makes you better at what you do, brings you... Anyway, that's a whole other thing. And then this cast that are just a delight to be around, everybody, every one of them. That doesn't happen often. Yeah, that does not happen often, I agree. But I also wanted to say, it's kind of incredible to me to hear you speak about this because knowing how much makeup has changed over the years, particularly with the transition to digital, how the granularity of the medium is such that it requires much higher levels of intensity and effort specifically from the makeup department. I am blown away by the efforts you must have gone to in this film, crafting all of these very individualized looks for all of the different languages and cultures. And I really wondered, how do you feel about the effort that was required and the intensity of that? How do you soldier on through that? Well, I think that you have to, um, the expectation, you know, when I spoke to Denis, Pardon me, the first time we actually met again to speak about Dune was here in L.A. in Santa Monica. And I think I was I wasn't sure. I mean, we talked about generally about all the characters in a nutshell. We had one of those bra- what he calls brainstorming. Um, and we talked about the Baron was the first thing. Yeah. And I, that was, that was going to be my next question was the Baron. Well, I just felt like. The Baron was one of those things because the producer had called me and there was a lot of discussion that was all very secretive and who would play and la 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 and all kinds of stuff. So when I did go and see Denis, I'd had a few ideas about Timmy and Rebecca. We knew who they would be, obviously. Javier Bardem. I think a lot of them were coming into play. So I just had a very casual lunch with Denis and Tanya and just very casually, just kind of thinking about things. And the Baron came up, but I really wanted to sort of say, okay, Fat is funny. Fat's always portrayed as funny in movies. And nobody's fat shaming. I'm certainly not. We're not fat shaming. We're not doing a caricature. And Denis was like, you're right. This is the thing. And right away, it was like powerful. Uh, I don't know why I said gorilla-like, but there was something about barrel-chested and a strength. And he loved it. And Marlon Brando. We always talk Marlon Brando. Apocalypse Now, but I was also Marlon Brando in Island of Dr. Moreau oh, okay. because it was something creepier and camp 
And I don't think we say camp anymore, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Something a little bit dramatic and theatrical that made me think was more interesting. And he loved it. And that's what got us started. And then how will we do it? Is it practical? And then weeks went by. We spent a few weeks talking about it. And I, I knew who should do it. As soon as I heard Stalin on Sweden, I went, I, I, know, I know what we do. Because I know Stalin from Dragon Tattoo and great prosthetic makeup team I worked with in Sweden. This is meant to be. It's a sign. And I'm not one of those people, you know, oh, it's a sign. But it was a sign. And I called Louvé Larsen and I said, I need to have you on this movie. I've got to sell you to the studio and production. And Ava Von Bar, his partner, they do really great work. And I knew that they, we started to talk and we had a lot of meetings till I could present Denis a kind of a few ideas. And he loved it, but it wasn't perfect. We had to keep working at it. And we kept going. And then we decided. And it would be a practical makeup in a fat suit which was not what we expected at the beginning. And the rest just happened. And we had lots of prep time. And that's all thanks to Denis because it could have been a, a VFX, a CGI suit. Well, I'm going to tell you, you were extremely successful in what you were going for because my date and I turned to each other and said, Island of Dr. Moreau, when the Baron came on screen. I'm not even oh kidding. Oh, gosh. I'm not even kidding. Really? I, you've made my day, honestly. <laughs> because... I love the Apocalypse Now thing. Everyone keeps saying it, and we've talked about it, and it's, you know, I spoke about it a lot. Everyone throws in different ideas, but I did. I've referenced that film for 30 years, as many of us do. I mean, there's no ownership of referencing a movie or a book. But Dr. Murrah, I'm so glad you said, because people don't always see what we see. No, they don't. And it's so rare to, like, project that very specifically to the world. But I think yes. you did. Without I'm really happy to hear you've really made, I honestly mean that because at one point we thought, should we make him very made up? Should he be wearing? And, and it's yeah. taking it away, you know? And it's actually very interesting because I feel like my husband, when I came home after seeing it, my husband was like, okay, so how disgusting was the Baron? And I'm like, look, it's not the book. It's a movie. It's a different adaptation. And it's completely different. It's a different direction completely. It was really kind of hilarious to me thinking about it in preparation for this conversation, thinking about what the effect is on the story arc to have a Baron that you actually take seriously and that feels like he has the gravitas necessary for the story arc. Right. It's, you know, I think it's great because it's fascinating to speak with you because I think you have a, a kind of a take on it that's really, it's deep. And and I, I think with the Baron, I mean, I, I actually, it was a, a kind of a great experience for us all. Lube and Abe, I think, were terrified as I was because I knew it was a huge life cast. I mean, just to life cast and sculpt and we had to bring in extra sculptors because it was so big. Mm -hmm. and. And it needed, so we had friends come in. But the beauty of, of this makeup, I, I think, is we had a lot of freedom from Denis. I didn't have studio interference. No offense to anybody in the studios. I know everyone's got to do their job. But sometimes you got to let people do what they know how to do. And I swear if I didn't, I would have gone to Denis. But even to the time we had our production meeting and somebody from Legendary 
looked across the room and I thought I was going to die and said to Denis, so what's going on with the Baron? Like what's happening with that? Is it CG? Is it? And Denis, I'll always remember, looked at me and I thought, because the question, I wasn't sure if it was being directed towards me or to him. And I looked like that and Denis looked at me and I just sat back and Denis said, we're working on some things. This is, it's an experimental situation right now. So he was really giving us, because I think there was a chance Legendary or Warner Brothers would say, ah, this is too much money. Wow. And I'm forever grateful. And the other night we had a screening. I went on a Q&A with Jackie West and sound editing and Denis and the writers. And I did say that because a lot of people would have said, no, there's no way adamantly we are not doing this as practical and i'm so thankful because it's an art form practical makeups can still be done yes yes and there are people who still do them a lot of us take great pride in it and it's a marriage of visual effects and cg but i'm really glad he gave us the opportunity and i'm so glad our producers let us spend some money and you it's know. so beautiful the way that it comes through. I'm just going to say for me, I'm a horror filmmaker is my background. And oh, so wow. for me, like everything is about the practical. I want to live in the practical world with practical effects and practical makeup. Right. And that made such a tremendous difference in my viewing experience, at least. Oh, that's really, it's a huge compliment. I think, you know, as art forms and crafts, I mean, look, it's a craft. We love all of it. And I think that you know, it's like meeting, I work with, I like to mentor, you know, whether it's the Academy or BAFTA, young people and new filmmakers to say that you can't always do it that way. It's not always right for every movie. Um, would it have worked for the character if you worked every day? I don't know. I mean, the cost and the time, you know, five hours of makeup. Look, it's a huge commitment. Yeah. Uh, but for a supporting pivotal role yeah. to come in for seven days. Yeah, why not? Uh, Dave Batista, five days. Dave David DeSmalchin, five days. Um, and they're all, they kind of help the story and have these very unique and interesting makeups. Uh, and then you've got everybody else like Josh Brolin and Oscar Isaac and Rebecca and Timmy who play 30, 40, 50, 60 days. Yeah. You know, um, it all tells the story. I love what you did with the Bene Gesserit as well. I thought those looks were just impeccable in terms of how you shaped everything. I was blown away by a lot of the storytelling, the way it comes through in the hair and the makeup. And I wondered if you could comment on that. Well, what I did with, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, more with Rebecca and Charlotte Rampling. Yes. I mean, Charlotte Rampling, I mean, the fact that she's veiled, I mean, it's all, but still made up. And, and I wanted to have a parallel, something with Rebecca and Charlotte Rampling that's similar. Mm -hmm. And I kind of used some same makeup things on them. Rebecca was interesting because initially I thought this could be tricky. Does she need to be more made up? Does she have to look this? But I kept thinking, you know, really looking at her, there was a quality, ethereal quality. She's the concubine, but she's an intellectual. She's all these things. And what does that say? I mean, to me, does an intellectual wear all this makeup? Or is it stylized? What's her hair? I kept thinking based in fashion. It's a strange thing to say. But I thought, 
there's a medieval quality. I was looking at things like Vanessa Redgrave and the devils and Ken Russell mm. films and yeah. Barry Lyndon and all these different films going, it's, it's definitely beautiful skin and pale and ethereal and play with her coloring. Same with, with Ms. Rampling, but with Rebecca also, she's meant to be Timmy's mother. I believe her is Timmy's mother, but there's also, she's only, I don't know, 10 years older. We have to be careful with her hair. If her hair is too young or too flattering, she goes girly, girlish. Yeah. And we didn't want to make her matronly. She's still this attractive woman. So it's a fine line. And Denise is a master at spotting when something feels unnatural. So there were a couple of hairstyles we tried that were, no, they were too, uh, maybe too affected. Mm -hmm. And the makeup a couple of times, I thought maybe she's too made up. Well, what I loved about Rebecca was then to go to the desert, to Arrakis, and then she's kind of a hot mess and the hair is suddenly girlish and she's this fighter woman and she can kung fu fighting with, with Javier Bardem and she's action woman and in the still suit and she looked kind of great. Yeah. And I, I love that transition for her mm-hmm. and for Timmy, you know, that he became this lion's mane and dusty and dirty, but kind of quite manly and princely. Yeah. But I also love that you kept the lineage of the Bene Gesserit very clear in the makeup through Charlotte Rampling and Lady Jessica, but then also the relationship of family between Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson. So it was almost like this unique chiasmus that you had with Lady Jessica. I love that you noticed that because trust me, I mean, I am, I guess myopic is the word about little details because we know it. And if I know it, then you may be going to know it. And the actor will. And Timmy, I mean, well, I love him because he's, he brings an energy and a joy to what you're doing. But also he really knows, like, if you just put, I don't know, I, I had this idea that I think to make his eyes pop a little bit, especially after they get to Arrakis, I use kind of a brown eyeshadow very lightly around his eyes, but it makes, it helps. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's something about it. And I kind of really found it sort of a signature thing. Um, with him and and the dust and sea salt spray. And I would stand him in front of the special effects fans and say, guys, put it on and blow him out like that. And he just was majestic, you know, in that. And then pull it all back a little bit. But certainly, yeah, there was a a parallel. And and Denis, again, was like, they have to be pale. We can't get tanned. We can't get sunburned. And, and that was really uh, something I was very careful with in the Middle East. We worked very hard at keeping people the same. Well, I think it's obvious that you worked very hard throughout this movie. And I think it's just amazing what you managed to accomplish. And I want to thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. This was a delight. It's my pleasure. And that's very kind of you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, 
Take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.